Hello and welcome to the Tech Geek Podcast, folks. I'm Sukriti Adhwanshi, your host. And in this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about how customer data drives product development in the digital learning space. And to fill us in with lots and lots of details about this, I have with me the CTO, Giridhar Yasa, from LendingCard. Welcome to the show, Giridhar. Thanks, Sukriti, for inviting me to Tech Geek. I'm quite excited to be a part of your podcast series. I am also indeed very excited and elated to have you on the show, uh, Girdhar, and uh, I'm very curious to know the answers of the questions that I have for you today. So let's get started. Uh, the first one that I have for you is that, you know, technology has captured every industry today. How do you see this tech invasion in the uh, you know, finance sector? Right. So, Sukriti, I think uh, technology is very visible, right? I mean, it's, it's uh, really an outcome of uh, thoughtful problem solving. So, you know, while we say that it has captured every industry, it's been within us, it's been around us uh, over time. And uh, it's not really one thing, but uh, more about an evolution of how we solve problems. And it's really a mindset. I mean, one example is when people started using wheels, right? That was technology. We would have bulky computers at home. And then they sort of moved to laptops. And now we have mobile phones, which are significantly more powerful than computers that we've had in, in the past that is uh, technology uh, so essentially you know you're right it has captured every industry and uh, this has flown into the finance sector as well and it's quite visible in the finance sector i mean a few years ago you wouldn't have been able to imagine transferring money real time right at small uh, ticket sizes probably now with upi it's uh, very ubiquitous and it has made payments and exchanging money unbelievably easy i mean think about it right you you would have to go to a maybe a post office and uh, do money orders, or even when there were online bank transfers, it was non-trivial. I mean, you know, someone who is living in a different city, they probably have to go to an internet cafe for doing a bank transfer. They would be very and jittery of, you know, how to do that. So they would probably walk into a bank to enable a bank transfer, where you'd, you'd, you'd probably have to fill in a, a slip, right, to uh, transfer money to someone. So yeah, I think uh, it's, it's very visible. And whenever these changes happen, Right, it, it's very stark, it's it's big and it's in your face. And uh, I think as far as we are concerned in the uh, finance sector, it's our responsibility to make sure that the experience that uh, these technological innovations are bringing in, uh, those are bettered over time and you know, our stakeholders and customers are experiencing all of it and very happy about it. So I think that's how I would uh, put uh, how, how this innovation has sort of taken over the finance sector. And then if you talk about lending card uh, alone, right, and the area that lending card works in, uh, you know, uh, unsecured finance, we need bank statements of customers to look at their credit worthiness. You know, the recent account aggregator launch is a big leap. Uh, we were the first uh, in the country to be a financial information user of account aggregator ecosystem. It's also a lot of problems, you know, one of sharing data reliably, uh, sharing data in a secure fashion with extremely low friction in just a few minutes. I mean, think about uh, the amount of time it would take for someone to maybe complete a loan application with our app now and account aggregator ecosystem that's that's been um, promoted by RBI and Samati. You could complete a loan application within a few minutes. Earlier, you would have to talk to an agent. They would introduce you to a bank manager or an NBFC manager. You would go back and forth for documents and eventually probably get dispersal. And, and, and that would be very challenging in itself, right? It would, it would be a multi-day process. 
similarly you know even after disbursals payments itself was a challenge even if you wanted to pay on time you know do you do it using checks do you put it in a dropbox would you miss a payment uh, how can you reach out to a bank to pay now you know there's someone available on ivr and then you get a payment link and then you immediately pay again using probably upi all this uh, right i mean you know all this uh, technological evolution has happened fairly recently, especially in the the sectors that Lending Card works in. Uh, this is despite uh, you know core banking systems existing for quite some time, NEFT RTGS kind of constructs existing uh, in the ecosystem for quite some time. So overall, I think you know in the financial sector, the anxiety of an individual, right, uh, particularly in the uh, MSME sector where Lending Card works in that anxiety of a customer has reduced because of technology and we are very happy to be at the forefront of that so uh, in short this invasion is a positive one and uh, people are actually trying to take the uh, right advantage and the industry is actually giving them the right method to take the right advantage of uh, this invasion uh, I, I hope i'm right on those lines right absolutely and it's just going to get better Yes, fingers crossed and let's hope some more, uh, you know, positiveness because the kind of uh, cyber threats that are existing these days, I'm sure a more refined process is something that every customer is trying to look at. Um, now tell me, do you of believe course. that uh, data-driven decision-making has actually changed the way how companies function these days? Um, I think data-driven decisioning, uh, Sukriti, has been there for quite some time, right? I mean, you know, uh, people have been collecting data for quite some time. Companies collect data on their customers, their behavior. What's important is how they use that data. And uh, typically that is followed by a qualitative debrief, you know, of analysis of the data. And that's how, you know, decisions have already been, uh, always been taken. Now companies that don't do this, they slowly die, right? What has really changed, I would say, is the way the data is gathered, uh, consolidated, and how you make sense of that data. Right, and models of uh, how this has happened, uh, how this process uh, has evolved, has changed and evolved uh, quite a bit. So there's a lot that goes behind, right? First of all, you need the systems um, that you're operating on to be configured to collect data. Then the process of collecting data itself is uh, massive. You know, Do you allow losses uh, while you collect data? Is it okay if a part of the data doesn't reach you? Are there uh, streams of data wherein you know you cannot tolerate uh, losses, and it has to be uh, non-lossless channel? Then verifying the correctness and the completeness of data—that's a big one. Uh, you know, people worry about extracting the right kind of you know features to look uh, at in the data, which again you know it's, it's not very data specific, but it is more domain specific. It's it's more business specific. You know, in, in modern uh, machine learning um, terminology, that's called feature extraction and feature engineering. You know, we do that uh, a lot in our own uh, systems. Finally, you know, you have to manage the resources that can process this data. There's a lot of legacy systems probably that you have, you know, from and, and maybe disparate sources and you have other stakeholders that uh, exchange data with you in a secure manner. How do you sort of bring all of this together? Uh, that's an important one. Finally, you need to create a decision framework, right? Now the decision framework could be maybe I'm looking at some a pattern and uh, creating some rules. It could be a machine learning model, which is you know numerical uh, analysis based and statistics based. It could be something very sophisticated that involves AI, right? Uh, finally, you know you also need to monitor how the system is performing, 
and uh, you would have to do that on an ongoing basis uh, and, and two fundamental things there as well right one is um, how is the system performing in itself and how are the results of the system that uh, that have been recommended over time how are they doing you know it's it's more short term analysis as well as long term analysis that is that is there so i think you know this multi stage multi step process around how uh, data is being used right uh, for for uh, achieving the business objective that has uh, evolved uh, quite a bit and that has uh, that is what has really changed uh, changed sukriti in data driven decision making all right thanks guys i think that actually makes sense i mean um, of course it is it has been quite some time that the decision making has been really important which is data driven but uh, that decision making has to be in the right direction and that's exactly how we are trying to drive innovation in order to uh, drive it in the, in the right direction so thank you so much for that the sure. next one uh, how helpful is customer journey data in the fine tuning uh, you know when when it comes to product that the company offers right so gruti um, you know products are built based on certain assumptions right so initially you um, you have a hypothesis you feel that there is a problem statement and uh, then realize that maybe a certain product that you have in mind uh, would fit the solution of that uh, uh, problem and solve for those assumptions so that's the initial bit right but after that there's a lot of iteration you know uh, you hand over your product to a customer the customer uses it you get feedback Maybe it's short-term feedback. Sometimes it it takes quite a bit of time uh, for the feedback. You know, look at maybe something like a, a loan product that Lending Cart has, right? You get feedback on how your loan book is performing only after many months, right? But if it were about uh, buying a book on a, a e-commerce site, you instantly get uh, feedback about how the customer is using your product. So I think you know you you collect data. and then you find you know a lot of uh, what the product is doing uh, with with that uh, basis that data and the understanding of the customer problem right and letting the customer own the problem right and then using this data to have a solution for the customer is what most people do right and uh, there's a lot of innovation there that's how you know there's this customer journey data that comes in but sometimes the customer themselves may not know the problem Uh, and, and think about a scenario where you probably cannot talk to a customer your customer is anonymous uh, and uh, probably there are a very large cohort of very diverse set of customers that's where you know uh, customer journey data comes in very handy in fine tuning the product um, and data is not just numbers right i mean data is really behavior uh, and we try to codify this behavior in terms of numbers uh, examples could be how much time is someone taking to fill in maybe a form right or when there is a button on uh, after filling a form is there some other box out there which looks like a button which someone is trying to click you know are are the customers having to scroll too much and is there fatigue in uh, probably uh, you know accessing the service that you are trying to provide so a lot of this you know is, is sort of codified into numbers as funnels and that goes into problem solving uh, saying that okay you know we have a funnel drop from step a to step b and you hypothesize again you know then sometimes it becomes very visual you watch a video of what the customer is doing now that is data again right it may not be numbers it might be video but it's data nonetheless so across the funnel you look at things and then you build in interventions now once you build that intervention you don't know whether that intervention will work or not so that's where 
uh, experimentation to gather more data uh, comes in you probably want to do a b testing wherein you select two cohorts and then you say that hey you know i'm i'm going to serve uh, a particular cohort with a kind of uh, uh, experience another cohort with another kind of experience and uh, you see maybe there is improvement in uh, the conversion or improvement in the way the customer behaviors as they go through these uh, particular uh, intervention um now, now and, and that's how you iterate over the product and you improve it right now if you, you could sort of stretch this to an extreme as well you could say that i'm going to serve multiple experiences to uh, multiple cohorts or you could say that you know i know this individual customer very well and hence i'm uh, based on the data that i have i will deliver the product to them in a very uh, specific fashion so that personalization hyper personalization is again uh, something that uh, comes in when we uh, look at data and this is how you would you would use uh, customer journey data to find in the product thanks vidhan and i think uh, you know when you talk about the behavioral data i think that also changes with the due course of time the customer behavior keeps on changing and the analysis will also change for the uh, organizations who are trying to actually analyze and then you know bring in the innovation uh, in the right direction so i think that's a that's a very very important factor when it comes to the consideration of fine tuning the product and uh, you know with the final uh, element that actually uh, you know makes it a finished product for the customers to use and i mean what are the different types of technology that companies are using to uh, predict and minimize customer risk so um, there are several parts to uh, risk right i think um, you know i would probably categorize into uh, three areas one is uh, systemic risk wherein you know is there danger to a very large ecosystem right then there is uh, you know organizational risk maybe risk to a particular business and there is individual risk which is a risk to a individual customer and to their overall uh, well being um you know that could be their financial well being there could it could be their personal well being you know both physical and psychological safety come into a picture there and when you talk about systemic risk right um how do you deal with an entire ecosystem right that's that's uh, very important to look at and we are look at when you are looking at organizational risk we are looking at the risk to a particular uh, company and the risk to the business so these are uh, you know actually interrelated uh, but not necessarily isolated right and how do we go about this right uh, one is uh, let's talk about maybe systemic risk uh, particularly in the financial sector right rbi works a lot in this area and rbi has several working groups that uh, work in this area and uh, lendicart is involved with uh, some of these rbi working groups and with uh, you know uh, organizations like sahmati that are associated with the financial sector uh, you know they bring banks and financial institutions together uh i give you an example of the account aggregator wherein uh, we are able to get data anonymized about a customer with their consent uh, reliably and securely so there are financial information users and financial information providers on their end they come together right through these uh, working groups and then they uh, take decisions that uh, that sort of impose a certain baseline right and uh, ensure a certain behavior by these uh, uh, entities all these organization that sort of you know uh, uh, takes care of uh, systemic risk and in in uh, some other areas there could be a certain baseline that is imposed by the regulator themselves 
like RBI has this uh, notion of systemically important NBFCs, and there are broad guidelines that they issue on uh, you know IT systems, on technology, on data security, on governance, on business continuity when these systems are deployed, and the testing around that. So these uh, these baselines need to be adhered to, and that's how overall systemic risk is is controlled. If you talk about organizational risk, right? I mean, you know, maybe fraud is an organizational risk. Uh, are there patterns in your customers doing something? How do you identify those? Again, uh, you know, to be able to identify patterns, there are techniques. Maybe if you want to understand links between entities and the way they are behaving, behaving, uh, you, you employ graph databases, uh, you employ time series data over time and look at how uh, your customers are behaving behaving and that brings down uh, the organizational risk now there, there's a chance that you know you look at your own customers and say that okay this is a con this is the customer segment that i'm dealing with and uh, you might uh, predict something that is very very localized to you right and and ignoring external factors uh, one example could be uh, loan book performance of a company you know take the example of lending card uh, what has happened to the customers who have not taken lending cards loans, right? Are they uh, also defaulting? And how can we bring in knowledge like that into our systems? So uh, overall, I think, again, you know, this is all data-driven decision-making and it plays a very important role in organization risk. Um, and the third one I, I was talking about is individual risk, which is, again, uh, you know, you somehow need to give individuals the confidence right that their uh, uh, overall well-being is being taken care of you know it's irresponsible for an organization to give more loan to a customer than what they can pay right so it, it's important that you look at data and take decisions appropriately if your uh, delivery mechanism is completely online is your uh, data at rest and in transit secure you know what are the uh, technological standards that you are adhering to to make sure that uh, there is suitable anonymization and storage no, you don't want to keep data forever either because you might take incorrect decisions over time when it's not relevant and hence deleting that data you know is also important from an individual risk point of view it absolutely makes sense uh Gitar. and i'm sure uh you know when we're trying to look at the kind of uh you know cyber threats that that are uh, actually there and lurking around i'm sure uh, the audience uh, the customers the end customers were in um, we have, you know, the, the the people who are making the use of these uh, products in the end are themselves very much calculative when it comes to these risk factors. So uh, it's a very important element. Tell me how do companies assess the risk factors associated with the cash flows in customer banks? Right, I think uh, um, if you look at the most important risk, right, um, from an organization, from a, a company point of view, especially in uh, the lending space, is non-payment and your uh, loan going delinquent right this is risky not just to the institution but also to the customer you know the customer might have forgotten to pay uh, maybe an emi right uh, which means that their credit worthiness will reduce and uh, that also affects the company's uh, well-being financially right so i think that is the key uh, aspect of risk that we uh, look at uh, and companies that work in this uh, uh, space look at uh, Sukriti. And how would this happen in a um, in a traditional world, right? Let's take an example of maybe a two-wheeler loan or a home loan. 
you know there is this collateral there there's there is some sort of guarantee that maybe a bank or an institution looks at now can the collateral move around i mean you know uh, maybe papers are forged and uh, maybe someone sells away their home right um, can two wheeler move around for sure can it be damaged you know of course it can be damaged which means that while you have taken some sort of guarantee in terms of collateral uh, there is uh, there's a chance that you'll still have that risk right so of uh, non payment um, now why can't cash be the collateral if a, a two wheeler can be collateral at the end of the day you know you are expecting that you'd be able to take the two wheeler and then you know recover the money uh, what if you go to the bottommost level and say that my cash is really the collateral and where can i find cash right i can find cash in the customer's uh, bank account now uh, this is where the money moves in and out so you sort of look at uh, parameters there like maybe the average daily balance uh, and then you say that in the first half of the month there is much better average daily balance and hence an emi that a customer would be able to pay there's a good chance that they would be able to pay in the first half of the month and hence let us schedule an emi that there uh, that's for maybe one month right but you you sort of have to look at a trend as well is there consistency over many months let me look at a 12 month period if it's a, a one year or a one year plus kind of a loan um, you know is there any check bounce in any of these which means that the customer is being a little irresponsible uh, you know pay slips is something that people tend to look at right uh, what is the approximate expenses uh, maybe you know you deduct saying that 60% is expense and then 40% is what someone would be able to pay back uh, in terms of their um, loan but really you know is it 60% that they are spending or is it 80% or is this 50% how do you understand that so you have to go back again to the cash flow in the uh, bank account so there are uh, positive features uh, lastly they tend to be uh, steady you know there are uh, maybe one of negative features like uh, check bounces uh, so essentially this is how you look at uh, uh, money in a bank account how is it flowing in how is it flowing out Uh, what are the features of the way the money is moving around and then you decide on okay you know i'm probably able to give a certain amount of loan to a customer with a certain interest rate and because there is a certain risk associated with maybe the way uh, cash is moving in and out of the uh, bank account uh, there's a certain risk score associated with them and a certain chance of uh, default probability of default um and you overall evaluate uh, the um the risk of that customer based on the cash flow it's it's fairly uh, interesting right i mean what i've i've sort of tried and tried to explain a few um, ways we look at it but then it, it tends to get more and more complex uh, we actually look at close to uh, 10000 derived data points on how money is moving in and out of a bank account to be able to arrive at uh, you know customers credit worth and asukriti thanks user i think that was so much so much uh, useful information that you've shared with us uh, today on how it's very important that uh, you know we use data and then do the decision making when it comes to uh, the product development entirely when it comes to addressing the problems and the requirements based on the behavior uh, of the uh, products or in the learning space So, uh, audience, thank you so much, Vidhar. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. I am sure uh, our listeners will have a wonderful time listening to these information that you have shared with us today. 
thank you so much and uh, once again thanks for inviting me sukriti thank you uh, it was indeed a great experience uh, for me yatha to speak to you it's a wrap audience thank you so much for tuning in stay tuned to tagic for all the latest tech updates and happenings this is your host signing off